With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Football Social Daily. Premier League Updates. Happy Monday. This is Football Social Daily, the only daily Premier League podcast you can find. I'm Jim Salverson and there is a bucket load of stuff to go for on today's show. We've got Nama Corn and Stefan Armstrong in the Sports Social hey, Studios. Hello. <laughs> hello. We're going to be talking about the following today. Monday Night Football tonight is West Ham, who could go second. All they need is an 11-goal <laughs> swing against Aston Villa at Villain Park tonight. We're going to talk about Pep Guardiola's Frodiola comments this weekend as well after Manchester City went down to Norwich leaving a five point gap between them and Liverpool at the top of the table and as the boys on last night's show forgot to cover off one of the biggest (laughs) games of the weekend. How on earth? How on earth? How did they do that? We're going to take a look at Liverpool versus Newcastle quickly as well as Jurgen Klopp's men lead the title race early doors in the Premier League. So let's start there in fact because last Friday we were chatting ahead of the game we had Marley in, who's a Newcastle fan, mm-hmm. and he said the one thing that Newcastle needed to avoid in the Liverpool game was conceding early. And they didn't concede early. They did the job. They scored early and still lost 3-1. Mm. Is there any way it's possible to beat Liverpool now? <laughs> Firstly, I just want to say, RE last night for getting to cover the Liverpool game. Yeah, it's on you, this. You can't say it was one of the most important games of the weekend. <laughs> Newcastle against Liverpool. Newcastle have won at Anfield for about 400 years. Any team I don't think that... they've ever won at Anfield. No, in all seriousness, they have. But it's been a long time. Great start for Newcastle, as you say, Jim. Um, what a goal as well, Brilliant by goal by Willems, who got inside Trent Alexander-Arnold with a, a lovely little piece of skill. And then he just belts it, doesn't he? Like, that's proper shades of was sheer it, was that, it, wasn't was it? Was it a toe punt? Like, oh. Because it didn't come off his foot normal, did it? It just flew rocket. <laughs> yeah, just complete straight trajectory into the top bins but it was a really good strike you know like I say shades of Alan Shearer he used to score loads of goals like that just leathering the ball into mm. the top corner and you know when you've got um, someone like Adrian in goal who obviously still finding his feet as a Liverpool player I think it wouldn't have been too unwise to start taking shots from from distance because we know how good Liverpool's defence has been with Van Dijk in there scoring first it, I hate the saying but there's old don't go there. Don't, don't go score there. too early. Don't score go there. too early. Somebody's rubbish, isn't it? Yeah, Somebody needs to score that. first. But I, I, I get the kind of psychology thing where I think 
hey, up, this wasn't expected. Freeze a little bit, you know what I mean? Well, I guess the argument is, if you score first against a team that's as effective as Liverpool... You're going to upset them. Well, it's going to be. It's almost like the wake-up call, isn't it? It's like we saw City versus Norwich at the weekend. We'll talk about this in a little bit. Yeah. But City just didn't seem at the races for a lot of it. Whereas he, you can imagine if you get that early goal, yeah. it's kind of that jolt. It gets everyone... It's, it's but, patience as well, because <clears throat> Liverpool would have known that... You can never score too early in football it's, as well. It's just about patience and Liverpool have got patience and Jurgen Klopp has has shown that he can instill that in his players that they are able to wait and bide their time Liverpool know that they are a much better side than Newcastle United and they are going to find a way through which they inevitably did Mm. the front three obviously are very powerful I think some people would tip Liverpool's front three players as the best in Europe or probably even world football at this moment in time Well it was interesting to see Firmino drop to the bench ahead of the weekend as well purely because Firmino has been travelling all round the world, mm. basically, for the international break. And Origi getting a bit of a start. But still, they just look so full of goals. Mm. It's like, that's the one... You can't look at that Liverpool team and not imagine them scoring at some point in a game. Yeah, well, Roberto Firmino, I think he's the first Brazilian to score 50 goals in the Premier League, which is a, a big achievement, you know, overtaking the likes of Alfonso Alves and uh, players <laughs> like that, you know. So, uh, well done, Firmino. But, no, jokes aside, I saw a lot of stuff on social media saying that they think... Firmino's the most important of the front three. And although Salah's world-class on his day, isn't he brilliant? Mane, always goals and assists. Yeah. What do you think I've, about that? I've, Firmino being the glue that holds them I've, together. I've got a bit of a Liverpool analogy for that, right? Okay. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to be the Beatles, right? You've got <laughs> McCartney and you've got Lennon. You've got, you've got Salah and you've got Mane, like the two big shots, right? You need some glue to stick them together. You need Ringo Starr. That's what you need. And no. he, Firmino is Ringo Starr. I don't Star. think the Beatles needed Ringo Starr. <laughs> Firmino is Ringo Starr. And every now and again, he puts in a little cracker himself. That, that, doesn't that underplay his quality as a front man, as a striker? Because he is. No, he's, he's the he's, link man. He's better than that. No, he's the link man. If you if you he's start not for the third goal for Salah, his uh, flick just the little brilliant. bit of skill, yeah. the flicks, he mm. just adds those little things, which maybe Mane doesn't quite have the skill to do. Firmino's got that. He's, he's like the Brazilian flair player yeah, that just I think, keeps it together. I, th- I think Mane is skillful. I think you see him when he drives at players and he can take players on. I think maybe holding the ball up is what it, Firmino's yeah, it's the old, best skill is. It's the old, you couldn't take the ball off him in a telephone box. That's what Firmino is. Yes. He's got that just just really, really light on his feet around yeah. the penalty area. Amazing. Yeah, I think he's a, a really useful asset. I just think, like you say, with Origi getting a start, and Origi will be a cult hero on Anfield for years to come for his part that he played in the Champions League victory last season. And um, I just think that they need to maybe start thinking about what's going to happen if one of these three players gets injured. Origi is a suitable replacement, but you know, like what happened with Spurs and Kane last season, Son stepped up into the breach, didn't Mm. he, for what was it, a couple of months Mm. about when when Kane rolled his ankle in the Champions League game? Is Origi going to be able to keep himself fit and perform to those levels? I would probably say no, but he hasn't really had the chance. But I do think they need another option just in case. I don't know how serious his injury was, but his injury led to Firmino's introduction in the first place. So he could be out for a spell, which leaves him even shorter. Because they got Shakiri, who could potentially yep. step in and replace either Mane or Salah. But I mean, when you're talking about a drop in quality, there's an, mm. a chasm between yeah. those two options, isn't there? I just think as well, how's Jurgen Klopp going to play the Champions League this season? I think he's played it down saying, you know, well, I would be shocked if we reach the final again. I think Jurgen mm. Klopp said something along those lines. 
I just wonder how they're going to play it this season. I think, I think he's got to say something like that. Uh, Jurgen Klopp knows the importance of the Champions League to Liverpool. But he that also is, knows the their trophy. But he's there to win them the league, Stefan, isn't he? Jurgen Klopp's there to I win Liverpool their first league title Champions in league. 30 years. Tick, move on. I think, They've I've, done six Champions Leagues. I, they I love think, that competition. <laughs> I get that. They love it. I but think they you'd need have, to win the league. I think you'd have so many people in Liverpool just so disappointed if they go out of the Champions League early this year. I think I think just go for it with both. I, I get it. You know, you kind of you kind of protect one over the other. Um, why not go for both? Of course you do. Yeah, of course they'll go for. I mean, you have to. I mean, you're in competition. I'm not saying. If, if, if I'm you, not saying they should dive out of the Champions no, League and, if you're and to put ask a weekend Jürgen team Klopp, out against whoever. If you're to ask Jurgen Klopp which he'd rather, I think he'd now say the league. Over oh, last oh, season, course, he would have yeah. said the Champions League every time, but I think now he'd say the league definitely. Five points clear at the top of the table now for Liverpool. Dead early days, so it's not massively significant. They dropped a seven-point lead. Was it last season? It was was ten it, at one point. Ten points at, at one point. point. Yeah. So I mean. You can't get carried away now, no. can they? If you're a Liverpool fan, you're probably actually feeling a little bit nervous about any kind of lead at the moment because they've been there and they've done it. Yeah, I mean, you look look back at Manchester City last season, there was a spell um, just after Christmas, I think, where they sort of had a bit of a blip, didn't they? They lost to Crystal Palace. Andros Townsend scored that ridiculous goal to beat Manchester City. They lost to Newcastle United, I think, in a midweek fixture uh, away at St James's Park, which no one was expecting. So losing to Norwich as sort of embarrassing if, if for want of a better term I don't think it's embarrassing at all losing to another side in the Premier League it's one of the most competitive leagues on no. on earth as we always say no shame in losing to Norwich but you know when it's a million pound squad in Norwich compared to a, a billion pound squad that we mentioned yeah. on the podcast a few weeks ago that can be obviously a comparison drawn there but let's be honest Liverpool lost one game last season that was to Manchester City and they still didn't have enough it's... too many draws so losing a game here and there isn't the end of the world no it's fine get uh... this for a stat that demonstrates Liverpool's form at the moment though they have now won 14 games in a row yeah. they're the only Premier League only the fourth Premier League team to ever do that and it means they're four behind City's record of 18 games in a row so here's a question to you are they going to beat that record the next games for Liverpool no Chelsea away Sheffield United away Leicester at home Manchester United away Manchester <laughs> Manchester United away and Manchester. Tottenham at home. So if they are going to do it, there's I some think, tough games. I think uh, 20th October against Man United um, at Old Trafford will be difficult. I think Chelsea uh, next week will be difficult away from home as well. There's bound uh, to be a draw in there, isn't there? Yeah. Bound to yeah. be. T- Tottenham at home. T- Tottenham travel well. I think they'll, I think they'll be all But right. like you say, that's a five-game period. If this was a record that was two games away, you'd be going, yeah, it's a big chance, but still... Premier League football, as we've seen, Norwich turning over yeah. Manchester City. You know, that was their first defeat in the league since January, by the way, Manchester City. So five-point lead, as you say, means nothing too early. Well, let's talk very quickly about the crisis at Manchester City. <laughs> in that case, uh, some interesting comments from Pep Guardiola over the weekend where he referred to himself as Pep Fraudiola yes. after, mm-hmm. and said basically his players were the only thing that was preventing him from being Pep Fraudiola. What did you make of this one now? I thought it was interesting because he mentioned that he doesn't read articles or social media and he doesn't read books and he doesn't read comments. So where has he got this Pep Fraudiola thing from? Because that only stemmed from social maybe media. The players call him it. Maybe, maybe, maybe Mikel Arteta tells him everything second hand. You think he's just like scrolling through? T- by the <laughs> yeah. way, they're calling him yeah. fraud. By the way, yeah. Yeah. Um, the Pep Fraudiola thing came because in his first season in the Premier League, he struggled to adapt. He was inheriting, uh, I wouldn't say an aging squad, but certainly a squad of players that he wasn't keen on uh, from Manuel Pellegrini when Pellegrini left. Obviously, everyone knows he went out and spent 100 million pounds on fullbacks and 30 million on a goalkeeper, or 17 million on Bravo. I think it was. Didn't like Bravo. Didn't like Hart. 
eventually got rid of both of them uh, and got Edison in, spent, you know, 35 million on Edison. Mm. But it was the 50 million on, on Kyle Walker. Benjamin Mendy uh, at the, on the other side, left back, 50 million pounds. So there's 100 million in fullback straight away. And a lot of people's criticism of Pep is that he spends his way out of a problem. But then you can counteract that argument by saying they've known that they've needed to replace Fernandinho for two seasons now, mm-hmm. but they've bided their time and waited till now to buy Rodri. They've had options to buy other central midfield players in which they've waited and waited and waited until they've found the player that they think fits their profile correctly. So I think Pep Fraudiola is an interesting comment. Losing three, I mean, Manchester City were knocking on the door the whole last 20 minutes of that game when Norwich was starting to get a little bit nervous. The atmosphere inside Carrow Road was amazing, by the way, but Aguero missed two headers that you'd think he would snaffle that chance up nine times out of ten. And he headed two easy chances over the crossbar. Raheem Sterling had a shot straight at the keeper. Um, There was another shot straight at the keeper late on in the game. So Manchester City had their opportunities to win that game. It's just the way football goes sometimes. You can't win them all. But Pep, interestingly, I think got a little bit defensive calling himself Fraudiola. I think that is the fascinating bit about it. In the presser, he took all the heat away from his players. and He he made an interesting comment saying, yeah, okay, uh, Stones and Otamendi have made some some glaring issues there. But he was saying in pre-season, at the beginning of the season, Laporte made a lot of mistakes as well. Mm. So so it just took the pressure off it completely. Otamendi Um, and Stones do look slightly fallible at the back as a pairing, though. They look slightly susceptible to that high ball. I've I've always just thought about that about Stones full stop. But is Mm. is that not just the risk and reward strategy? We spoke about this on the Premier League show on Sunday saying that's what you get from playing out from the back. We saw it from Socrates in the Arsenal-Watford game. Arsenal <laughs> trying to play out from the back. He looked like he was about to cry, bless him, Socrates, yeah, when he gave the yeah. ball away. But you do get that. You've got to make mistakes if you're playing in that style. Yeah, I completely agree. And if you are playing out from the back, you will get caught on occasion. But I think as a pairing, Otamendi and Stones, for example, at corners, don't always look particularly switched on. That high ball into the box seems to get them. They seem susceptible, yeah. susceptible over the top as well. Whereas maybe Laporte... And Stones, like Laporte, adds that mm. Virgil van Dijk element. He yeah. adds that kind of sl- uh, slight maturity to his game. I almost. think if you analyse, not so much forensically, but if you look at Manchester City's defence and attack from corners, that's one thing that hasn't really changed over the years under Pep. They've never really... I mean, how many goals can you think of from Manchester City where Stones or Laporte have come up from a corner and thundered a header in? You don't really see it, whereas for Liverpool... Laporte's got a few, hasn't he? Yeah, but you see for Liverpool, Van Dijk or Matip, or Matip scored a header a couple of weeks ago. So I think you tend to see more of that from Liverpool than you do from Manchester City, that's a blueprint of of Guardiola's team, though. He never did that at Barcelona, he never did that at Bayern Munich. He's always been a possession-based thing. He's never really been one for pushing the set plays, so... Mm. He's not getting Andy Carroll in anytime soon. Not anytime soon, no. (laughs) Speaking of Andy Carroll, we'll talk about West Ham in a minute and their game away at Aston Villa tonight. We'll do that next on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football Social Daily. Premier League updates. Welcome back to Football Social Daily and we're going to talk about the final game of the Premier League weekend fixtures tonight as West Ham travel to Aston Villa. West Ham could go second. They just need to beat Villa by 11 clear goals on their own patch. Dead Hmm. simple, right? Uh, Let's find out whether it is doable or not. We've got Dan Bardle from the Villa View. Hello, Dan. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I'm all right, man. 11 goals, what do you reckon? I'd like to think that's not possible, to be fair. (laughs) I'd hope that wouldn't happen. How's it looking for Villa so far this season? Because although it's not been sparkling as yet, there's been some promising signs there and it was always going to take a little while with such a churn of players to settle down in the Premier League. 
Yeah, it's, it's been a bit of a weird one, to be honest, because I think in the first three games, we gave a good account of ourselves. We went to Spurs and were a, a little bit un- unlucky in the end, although we did have uh, so much pressure on us in that second half. Bournemouth, we made some terrible mistakes in the first 10 minutes, but then actually outplayed what is an established Premier League team. Obviously, we know we beat Everton and played well. The atmosphere was electric that night, and we thought, right, this this is going to be the start of something. Then the Palace games put put a bit of a downer on everything. We, we didn't play well at all in the Crystal Palace game. It was a really poor performance, albeit we had 10 men for most of the second half. But then we scored a good goal at the end, and that, that has left a bit of a sour taste. Tonight it's massive because home games will, will be vital for us. That that will dictate what kind of season we have. So so we need we need to take three points tonight because our home form is going to be paramount. Where's the danger going to come from for Villa against West Ham tonight? Yeah, I mean it's it's an obvious answer, but you you have to say Jack Grealish. He's been talking a lot over the international break, saying that, that he's ready to, to make a big impact, and we need him to make a big impact because. He is our match winner. He is our best player in the championship. He was the one that was really making the difference. He'd added goals and assists to his game since Dean Smith came in. And we need him to be doing that in the Premier League because I think we're a bit light within the front three. I think we're probably missing a couple of players, despite, as you say, we had a high churn of players. I think we needed a couple of more in the summer transfer window. So I think probably Grealish is the big one for us. If he plays well, we will play well. Are you slightly surprised that Jack Grealish is still playing at Villa? I mean this with the utmost respect, but he's been so highly rated for so long, yet he's stuck with you through that time in the Championship. Are you surprised he's still at the club and hasn't been picked off yet? Uh, I think when we first went down, he'd had a, he'd had a, the club had, had a terrible season, let's face it. We, we got 17 points. Grealish wasn't, in, wasn't involved. There was probably a lot of question marks over him, but that, that second season in the Championship, he really was excellent and he took it up another level again last season we, we got a bit lucky because Spurs dilly-dallied around didn't they and if, if, if they'd have made a move earlier on in that in that transfer window a year a year or so ago they, they'd have got him because we mm. were in the championship and he wanted to play Premier League football but luckily our new owners came in and, and they turned the club round and they saved us if he wasn't a Villa fan we, we may well have lost him over our time in the championship but because I think he loves the club so much his family loves the club so much I think he wants to be in the Premier League, but he wants to try and do it with Villa if he can and see what level Villa, Villa can get up to. Sooner or later, we will lose him because he is a top, top talent and he, and he should probably be playing for for a top six side. But I think for the next couple of years, we've got him and we've just got to make the most of him. Dan, how impressed have you been with Tyro Mings since uh, making his move from Bournemouth permanent? Obviously, he was a good asset to you at the end of last season in the Championship. Translating that into the Premier League, he's got his first England call-up. Him and Engels look like they're making a good partnership at the back. I mean, are you hoping that that can become more solid as the, the season rolls on? Yeah, it's, it's a weird one with those two, to be honest, because I think they those two have pretty much been flawless in every game. It's weird because we've obviously conceded goals in most games, but those two mm. have, have been really, really good. Engels looks like a steal. I think he was between seven and nine million, and it looks like in the in the not-too-distant future, he's, he's going to get a call-up to, to the Belgium squad and... You have to be a good player to play for Belgium. Sure. To be fair, though, those two have got, have got a great partnership. Mings is just—he's an unbelievable player and he's an unbelievable human being. I, mean, I, can't, I can't speak highly enough of him. I mean, when we signed him, I thought, okay, this, this guy's a left back coming in. He's come and played centre back for us, and he looks like he's been there his whole career. He, he's absolutely phenomenal, and as I say, I can't speak highly enough enough of him. I mean, people looked at the, the price and said they're overpaying, but. 
we needed him. We needed to t- take him after after what he did for us last season. It would have been a real, real huge loss to, to not have Tyrone Mings this season. And now, obviously, he started the season. Well, I think he, he's top for a lot of the defensive statistics in the league. He's, he's got that England call-up. So, people that were looking at the asking price and saying that we're overpaying, it, it looks like it was money well spent now. He, he's just a great, great player. And what about John McGinn? Because uh, there's a lot of Manchester United fans that I talk to that go, <laughs> oh, we quite fancy him in January. But um, he's done really well for you, hasn't he, last season and this season as well? Yeah, it just shows that there is, if you, if you spend money cleverly, you can get a good player. I think I think he cost us two and a half million, John McGinn. And I don't think there was anyone in England really looking at him. I think it was just Villa and Celtic that, that were looking at John McGinn. Again, his value and how, I hate to think how much he, he would be worth. I think 50 million was spoken about in the summer but he's happy he's happy at Villa and, and that's mm. the thing we, we are a happy camper we need to win games to make sure it stays that way but it is a t- it's a tight dressing room and it's, it's a dressing room that understands what it's like to represent Villa and that and they want to represent Villa and they realise that despite over a few years we, we are a, we are a big club so it'll, it'll take time to get to get us back to where we want to be but if we can hold on to the likes of McGinn Mings Grealish o- over the years I think we will get somewhere near to where we want to be again but McGinn man you can uh, I think I don't know why he'd want, he wouldn't want to go there at the moment I don't think, he's, he's happy at Villa well I dropped down man the level you, you, yeah well I, I didn't want to say that but yeah I, it made no sense for him to go there to be honest Dan between the choice of Alan Hutton Andy Gray and John McGinn who is the best Scottish player Villa have ever had I didn't see Andy Gray play, but I'll, I'll have to say Andy Gray because he's my dad's <laughs> favourite, favourite ever favourite ever Villa player so I'll have to, I'll have to say Andy mm. Gray um, Trezeguet is going to be missing uh, tonight for you, Dan. How much of a loss will he be? Obviously suspended after being sent off against Palace. As I say, we're a bit we're a bit light up, up top, so I know that the only person that can come in on the wing for him is going to be El Ghazi tonight. Who is he's a he's a good player, but Tre- Trezeguet looked good in his few, first few games. Didn't look great against Palace, but it's just it's going to take time. Players very rarely come into the Premier League into a new country as well and and hit the ground running. It, it's a completely different level to what he's used to. He's been playing in Turkey but he looks a good player the, the, the Egyptian fans are all over Villa social media <laughs> nowadays so, so they obviously love him he'll, he'll be a miss because bodies wise we, we haven't got, got enough up there but Al Ghazi is more than capable of coming in and, and making an impact it's, it's just I wonder who's going to take his place on the bench Dan, I've got to say I'm a hammer, by the way, and okay. I've got this weird... <laughs> what are you going to say? Got... OK, what are you going to say? <laughs> I've got, this, no, no, I've got no, this weird feeling at the moment, and I don't recognise it as a West Ham fan. I think it's confidence, and I haven't felt it in a long, long time at uh, West Ham. But I look at our team, and I think we've got oodles of talent going forward. We're a great attacking lineup at the moment. Centre-back-wise, we've got some decent options, even though they do lack a little bit of consistency at the moment. Where I worry for us is our fullback positions at the moment. Yeah. I think uh, Masuaku and Cresswell aren't the best options. Left-back, Zabaleta on the right, he's looking a little bit leggy now, even though he's still a great player. Fredericks are quite fancy, but at the same yeah. time, is that an area that you guys are going to be able to exploit in those fullback positions tonight? You see, you're, talk- you're talking about that, and, and I'm thinking out wide is probably where I think I think we're we're a little bit weak so it's, mm. it's not ideal to hear hear that I'd rather you'd have been saying you've got problems <laughs> in in the middle of the park to be fair because that's where I, th- I think we're strongest Villa fans aren't keen on Frederick so if, if he plays tonight he'll, he'll get a bad reception after his uh, stamp on Grealish in the playoff yeah. final for Fulham a, f- a few seasons ago so as I say we that that's where I don't think don't think we're strong so if that if that's your weak point I, I'd say you're in a pretty good position tonight <laughs> 
what I want to hear. Dan, cheers for coming on, mate. <laughs> really appreciate uh, it. Thanks for your time. Cheers, Dan. No worries. Cheers, guys. That's Dan from the Villa View. Um, I feel quite confident tonight, as I said, and... We beat Norwich last week, and I was kind of like... See, that's worth six points now they've beat Man City. Well, that's it. I was, I was kind of <laughs> dismissing it and going, oh, it's only Norwich. And then I saw Norwich beat City at the weekend, and I'm thinking maybe that's more impressive than it felt at the time. I think this could be a great season for West Ham at the moment. <laughs> we just seem to... As long as we can keep injury-free, we've got talent all over the pitch, apart from, as I say, in the fullback <laughs> position. As long as Fabianski doesn't get injured in net, then I think we've got a great chance of finishing in and around the top six. I'm going to clip this because <laughs> you're going to finish in 14th. Fabianski's <laughs> going to get injured tonight and you're going to lose 4-0. Now you've said that because that's just the way it works, yeah. Jim. Um, no, in all seriousness, West Ham, I think maybe are going slightly under the radar. There's a real cluster of teams. There's a huge cluster of teams at the moment on seven points. Palace, Everton, Southampton, West Ham and Bournemouth, Arsenal and Chelsea just a, a notch ahead on eight as are a host of other teams. Um, so that cluster down there is looking quite tight at the mm. moment. Obviously it will do just five games into the Premier League season but a lot of people have looked at West Ham and thought okay they've signed some good players for nows I mean you've got good players in the team as well like Anderson who were already there Declan Rice is coming through Um, Diop's a good centre half I just think West Ham maybe are one of those sides that are kind of left alone a little bit in terms of people were kind of looking at Wolves they were looking at Leicester they're looking at Manchester United as teams that can really cement themselves in that cluster of teams in that European position I think West Ham could be one of those teams. I think you're dead right. I'm really excited to see how Sebastian Haller That's develops it. as well. I think you need him to score 20-odd goals this season to be in that sort of top seven content. He's, yeah. he's like an, an Andy Carroll on steroids, isn't he? Like Not that Andy Carroll would ever need steroids. Can you imagine what, what that would be like? <laughs> but he stays fit and he's, he's, he's a big, he's big, strong guy. And you put, put balls in the box and he will, he will get up and head them. Do you know who reminds me of a little bit? And I might get pelters for this. Go on. It reminds me a little bit of Paolo Wanchop. <laughs> and do you remember how Paolo Wanchop used to have the ability to just get his foot to stuff? And it's like his, yeah. like, it's like his legs were both eight foot long each. It's like how Michael <laughs> Jordan could extend his arms into yeah. Wanchop did that with his legs. There's an element he? of that. And I think he'll just nick goals this season. But that said, Aston Villa, absolute bogey team. West Ham, particularly yeah. at Villa Park. Two, so league wins in, two league wins in 18 visits to Villa Park for West Ham. <laughs> so, okay. yeah, so best of luck, Jim. Yeah, all right. Well, that's it from Football Social Daily. Stefan, Niall, thank you very much for Cheers. coming on. No problem. Don't forget, you can get the latest match reports and daily team updates for your team via Amazon Alexa with our Sports Social Alexa skill. Just say Alexa Open Sports Social and you can go and have a play on that and we'll see you next time on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. From teaching them how to ride a bike to brushing their teeth, life lessons really matter. Teaching kids about money is one of the most important. That's where Ulster Bank's Money Sense can help. An online hub with free interactive content to help kids aged 5 to 18 make sense of money. It also has great tips for parents on how to equip their kids with positive money skills that can last a lifetime. Search Ulster Bank Money Sense today. Ulster Bank. Help for what matters. Ulster Bank Ireland DAC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. 
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.